0: Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Follow on Twitter at
1: TweetJHood. This is the most important draft in the Ryan Pace regime. We're talking about it right here on Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. The draft starts tomorrow, and even though the Bears do not have a pick in the first round for now... It's still very compelling. There's a number of things I'm looking forward to from the Bears standpoint that I want to get into. And this is going to be our three-hour Bears NFL draft preview. We've got a number of guests that will be on the program within the framework of our show. We'll really get a chance to take a deep dive of what the Bears could do here in the draft, even though, again, they don't have a first round. So if you are a Bears fan or a fan of the NFL draft, uh, we got it for you between now and 10 right here on ESPN 1000. The Bears will have six or more picks Over the next few days, six or more, because I don't know what Ryan Pace has up his sleeve, but there's going to be someone in the second round. There's going to be a fifth round pick, a sixth round pick and seventh round pick uh, that have to be able to step in and help this Bears team out at some point. I will tell you this, that whoever the Bears are going to take in this draft, someone in this draft that we're going to see over the next couple of days have to pay dividends quickly for the Chicago Bears quickly Uh, and I'll tell you why as we move forward throughout our show the Bears and the 49ers are the only two teams without a third and fourth round draft pick does Ryan Pace get aggressive and allow uh, the Bears to be able to close the gap between 50 and 163 that's exactly what it is for them right now I would think that if you have a pick at 50 and you don't pick again against one, until 163, maybe, just maybe, you try to find a way to be able to close that gap somewhat. We will see. The needs for the Bears should be apparent to you and I when it comes to this team. It's interesting how fleeting the NFL can be, how fleeting the NFL uh, draft can be. The needs for this team are pretty apparent. The cornerback position next to Kyle Fuller. There has to be someone on the other side of Kyle Fuller that can help the secondary. That's something that needs to be addressed in the draft. The offensive line. You take a look at the offensive line. uh, Behind Charles Leno, I don't see anyone on this depth chart. Leno is a guy that's on on the left tackle spot, and there's no one else next to him on this depth chart. At some point, you've got to be able to fill that need, either with a veteran in free agency, or you're going to have to figure out what you want to do in the draft. It would not surprise me at all to see the Bears go twice into the draft looking for offensive linemen. And then from there, you take a look at the tight end spot. If you have 10 tight ends, do you really have an 80-catch receiver anywhere on the roster, whether it's a U or a Y tight end? That's real talk. That's not even just talk show hyperbole. I mean, I look at this... I look at this depth chart, and yes, Jimmy Graham was a guy that the Bears wanted to lock in for a couple of years. Many that are smarter than me when it comes to the NFL look at Jimmy Graham and say, why? Why Jimmy Graham in that spot? Why do that for someone that's toward the tail end of his career? But the Bears did it, Right. And that goes for Ben Bronicker and J.P. Holtz and Dax Raymond, if that's really his name, and Jesper Horsted and Demetrius Harris, on and on. There are 10 tight ends on this depth chart in front of me. But out of all those 10, I can't see an 80-catch receiver amongst any of those guys. And then the wide receiver spot. This wide receiver group is deep. And this is not just one of these things where we talk every year about what could be. I take a look at the wide receivers that's going to come out of this draft, and there's going to be a number of them. Not it doesn't have to be guys from Alabama or Clemson either. I mean, down the line, the Bears should be able to find someone that could be able to help them at the wide receiver spot. If you are an Al Robinson fan, you should be because he's a number one receiver, even on a mediocre team like the Bears, he still is a number one receiver. But you go and look at these off these uh, particular wide receivers on this football team. Um, And you see Robinson, you see Ridley, who I think is a question mark, and Anthony Miller at the Z spot. You still need to be able to have more weapons for Foles or Trubisky or whomever is going to be the quarterback for the Bears. That wide receiver core, as someone who loves college football, I've seen, and I look at this list, I'm like, yep, I saw Jerry Judy. Yep, I saw Henry Ruggs. Both from Alabama. Yep, I saw C.D. Lamb from Oklahoma. Yep, I saw Denzel Mims uh, from Baylor. Justin Jefferson, who continues to be somewhere in the middle of this draft. And I don't know why. Maybe I just show you the depth of the draft. But Justin Jefferson is a terrific wide receiver from LSU. Chase Claypool from North uh, from uh, Notre Dame. T. Higgins from Clemson. Michael Pittman Jr. from USC. It goes on and on. I can go all day about wide receivers in this draft, and someone. Someone should be there for the bears to really help this wide receiver core out. Robinson Ridley Miller is what I see right now, but that needs to be upgraded for sure. And it just shows you how fleeting the NFL success is, right? When Nagy first got here, the bears were 12 and four, then eight and eight. And now what? That's the big question. What is this upcoming season going to be like? As we talk about the bears and the NFL draft with Jonathan hood on ESPN 1000, the, um, I take a look at the strengths of this football team because it's one thing to talk about the needs and these needs have to be met, but the strengths of this team, one of them is the quarterback spot. One of them is the quarterback spot because you don't even, you don't just have Trubisky in place. I mean, again, as someone that saw all I need to see from Trubisky this past year, you need to have someone to push Trubisky to be better or to replace Trubisky. I've been saying that for a long time. It doesn't matter if you're a Trubisky truther or not. What I'm saying is, is that competition at any position for a team that was innate is a good thing. You need to have this type of uh, competition uh, on this football team because when you Went, go from twelve and four to eight and eight. That means others need to be pushed a little bit. Some are might be a little bit too comfortable on this football team. And the quarterback position, as you and I both know, is so crucial. You got to get it right, because it's an offensive league. You've got to be able to get that position right. And so when I see Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles, I think that's those are positives. This is not the tight end position with the bears where you got, you know, you have all these guys and you don't know who's actually going to be able to be productive with Trubisky and Foles, Someone's going to emerge out of there at some point and be able to provide some production for this football team. Does it, does that really say it's going to be a nine or 10 win ball club? I have no idea, but, That's predicated on what we see offensively. That's a whole different conversation with Matt Nagy. If he conforms to what we see in the NFL in running the football, being able to utilize his weapons properly, all those things are really part and parcel to the quarterback position. Also a positive on this football team is the running back position. If it's utilized properly, right? So David Montgomery is a a running back that I think that could be solid for the Bears. There is talk at House Hall that maybe They're not sure about David Montgomery, not down on him, but really maybe unsure of what they have in Montgomery. Well, and how do you know the car can run if you just keep it in the garage with a cover over it? How do you know that the running back is is maybe okay or is just decent unless you run that running back? And I'm not trying to turn the NFL back to 1989, What I'm saying is, is that running the football is essential. They should be able to do this a lot more with with Montgomery. Tariq Cohen is not a guy that is a down in and down out back, not even a change of pace guy. I just think that he's a a gadget play guy that uh, somehow, some way, Nagy's going to to try to get the most out of. And so the running back position, I think, is a strength with Montgomery. I would say that you need to be able to find a backup someplace, some veteran, maybe not in the draft. The defensive line without bearing the lead, is actually the strength of the team. No surprise, right? Another Bears offseason, and once again, we identify the strengths of the football team, and it's the D-line. Of course it is. The D-line is the strongest position on this football team with Hicks and Goldman and Nichols. They're all under contract the next couple of seasons. Robertson Harris is a starter uh, for seven games last year, and he's back in his fourth season, and so we will see now how healthy Akeem Hicks can be. Number one, and two, just watch the development of these uh, players one more time at the end, at the at the end, and at the nose position. The defensive line is the strength of the football team, and then you take a look at Kyle Fuller. I mean, Kyle Fuller is a is a terrific uh, player for this team, as I mentioned. Someone on the other side of him would be great. Uh, Roquan Smith, Khalil Mack. Quinn being part of this team. Those are positives and core players for this football team. But here's the thing about the core. As I mentioned, I gave the quarterback spot, the depth chart of the quarterback spot, and the running back in David Montgomery some credit. I gave Allen Robinson some credit because he's elite receiver on this football team. Has that whined and complained, even though he should have been able to get a lot more footballs thrown his way, he did not complain. And that's cool. I like that. Because he easily could be like a lot of these wide receivers we see in the league. Is like, hey, where's mine? I don't know how, how come I'm not getting the football? Because that easily could have been him last year. He did not do that in abundance last year. But when I talk about the core of this football team for the Bears, we talk about the D-line being the strongest position, right? And we talk about Khalil Mack and Roquan Smith and Kyle Fuller and Eddie Jackson. Um, those are a number of guys that are difference makers for this football team. But the majority of those players I just mentioned on the defensive side of the football, and I'm sure that the Bears will address defense, especially the secondary. I mean, if you're a good GM, you look at what your issues are and you address them, right? But that's the problem. <laughs> that's the problem. Like the majority of the good on this football team, once again, is on the defensive side of the football. What about on the offensive side of the football? That's the thing. All I'm looking forward to is balance, balance on both sides of the line, right? I mean, look, how long have you, you and I been watching Bears games, right? We, you and I have been watching Bears games for a long time. And whether you are a Bears fan or not, you know that the quarterback position has always been a question mark, even with Jay Cutler, even with Jim McMahon and all, and all the quarterbacks in between those two generations. Hey, it's, it's been a problem for a long time. The Bears have to try to figure this out. But, see, the problem is, is that this offseason has been about Band-Aids. It's been about Band-Aids. It's been about gauze pads. It's about trying to put your finger in the hole that has been leaky. And that is Ryan Pace, as I mentioned at the top, his most important draft he's ever had with the Chicago Bears. Because when you are replacing draft mistakes, with free agents that tells you all you need to know about the job pace has done there's a lot of gms that do what ryan pace does is trying to say okay well well leonard floyd didn't work but we, we, we just pay quinn even though he's on the wrong side of 30 that's okay you know we just need some production in that spot because look at the numbers right temporary ah oh, trubisky Trade up for Trubisky. I, I thought he was going to be the guy, and he really went the bed last year. Oh, we better bring in a Super Bowl champion. Here comes Nick Foles. Again, a Band-Aid. Some of the moves we saw here in the offseason. Oh, the tight end spot. You got zero from the tight end spot. We got to do something. Oh, uh, uh, Jimmy Graham. I know Jimmy Graham from New Orleans. Uh, let's put Jimmy Graham in there. When you're doing those things, You're doing those things because you're trying to cover up the issues that you had in the draft. Shaheen didn't work. Here comes Jimmy Graham. How's that any better? Seriously. Outside of someone who's got some skins on the wall, who's put up some numbers, but not recently. When you are trying to cover up your mistakes with free agency, that means that you're not going in the right direction. Unless that same season... It All all of a sudden, it turns around for you, and you're a Super Bowl champion. He's in survival mode, is Ryan Pace. That's why it's important. He's in survival mode. He's, he's going through a really tough time because he knows that he's got to strike while the iron's hot. This is a huge draft. Even though you and I are not going to be watching on Thursday thinking, okay, what are the Bears going to do because the Bears don't have a first-round pick? And again, it's about mortgaging the future to try to win in the present. But what if, right? The two biggest words in entertainment. What if? What if the Bears don't find a starter in this draft? And I mean, not eventually, a day one starter. On all the positions that we talked about, the question marks on this football team, and there's a number of them, including special teams, which I didn't even get to, but you know the Bears got to get a better kicker. But what if the Bears are not finding that day one starter, then that is the beginning of the end for pace. Simply put, you must find that difference maker right away. Someone on day one that can start at one of these holes that can give you what you're looking for, whether it's a secondary, whether it's the offensive line, whether it's a wide receiver, someone has to be able to be an A-plus in this draft on day one. And if not, you know what's going to happen. Defense strong and the offense trying to figure things out, which has really been the hallmark of Bears football for a long time. Coming up next, we hear from Jeff Dickerson, his thoughts about the Bears and what they could do with their uh, pick in the second round that will take place on Friday as we have our NFL Draft Special. Glad that you're with us here for Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood.
0: This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on 1000, Chicago's home for sports.
2: This is
0: Chicago's home for sports. Stream ESPN 1000 easily on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. You're listening
2: to Under the Hood on ESPN
1: 1000. NFL draft starts tomorrow. Let me give you the rundown for me as far as the NFL draft. We're doing our preview tonight. We've got a number of guests, including Howard Griffith from the Big Ten Network, coming up. At 7.30. Uh, so we will preview the draft with you tonight between now and 10 o'clock. Also on Thursday after round one, I'll be with Freddie Coleman on ESPN Radio. You can... I, Davis, I don't, I don't know what the schedule is here. I don't know if this if this show is going to be aired on ESPN 1000, but I know it's going to be on ESPNradio.com as well as uh, Sirius XM Channel 80. Um, but I'll be with Freddie Coleman after round one of the draft on Thursday. Uh, And then Friday, we'll have a special show, and we'll lead you into the picks uh, from starting at 6 o'clock after Waddle and Sylvie are done. I'll be on it Friday. It's from 6 to 11 as we take a look at the uh, draft picks for the Bears, second and third round. And then Saturday after the draft is done, I'll be on here on ESPN 1000 at 6 o'clock with John Anderson. Uh, We'll break that down as well. So plenty of coverage. You'll hear me. Uh, in, not only on ESPN One Thousand and Sirius XM Channel Eighty, but also in the fillings of your teeth, everywhere. Uh, breaking down the NFL draft coverage right here on ESPN One Thousand. Um, so we're we're talking about what is going on with the with the Bears and this in this draft. And so I talked to Jeff Dickerson the other day about what is going on with Ryan Pace because with Ryan Pace. This is the most important draft that he's had because he has tried to have patchwork free agency. And again, you, when you're in his spot and you need a tight end and you need someone, a linebacker, and you need to be able to find um, a quarterback, you, you know, you, you, you could address this in the draft, but he thought because free agency started, let me address it now with who I think is the best available. And so when I look at his tenure with pace if it doesn't work this year, could this be like Phil Emery? You remember Phil Emery, right? Phil Emery was the general manager in the trustman regime, and both those guys could talk. All those guys. I mean, uh, every answer was three minutes long, and they always had the, the, these long-form thoughts on things. And some thought it was thoughtful at the beginning and art- articulate, but really what it came down to is just a lot of just... Just talk, just just sports talk, just you know, trying to get through the answer by just telling them everything that they thought they knew. And you know, Emory was not here very long, just like trust me wasn't here very long. And I'm wondering if there's gonna be a situation where if it if the Bears underachieve this upcoming season, after going twelve and four to eight and eight to whatever this upcoming season is gonna be, I'm wondering could Pace's tenure uh, be shortened? Let's hear from J.D. Because we're going to compare the Pace and Emory regimes.
3: Obviously, they're giving Pace a lot more time uh, than they well, gave. So,
1: well, um, I mean, well, like, well, the, like what if, right? What if the Bears don't make the playoffs this upcoming season? And this is year three of this versus Emery? you know, talking to everybody who would want to listen. And he was out after a couple of seasons. How similar is this?
3: No, I mean, I think that this is a critical year for the front office, and I, I think they know that. I, I just don't think there's – I mean, how can you not realize that? I mean, they've only made the playoffs one time. You know, they've been here since 2015. They're on their second coach. Um, the quarterback thing just hasn't worked out. Uh, the first-round draft picks, for the most part, haven't worked out. Um, they got a good defense, but, you know, they got to find a way to win some games. I, I, I think – I think you can. I think everyone knows that if the Bears don't make the playoffs next year, there certainly could be changes. I think with Emery, what was so interesting was um, I. I wasn't sure if they were just going to sink the whole thing, mm-hmm. but um, when I knew he was really in trouble, like really in trouble, was when they went to New England, and I mean, just got. Destroyed. You remember that game?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah.
3: And then they went to Lambeau and just got destroyed. And, and we're like, uh-oh, this is going way downhill. Then there was that Saints game on prime time, which was just a debacle. Um, so you do during the season that at least the head coach was gone for sure. I just wasn't sure like how, how, how deep the purge was going to be. Um, but uh, one thing, though, and, and really – they have given Ryan Pace a lot more time than they gave Phil Emery, which I do think is a good thing. You do want to give your GM time, your executives time. But I think at this juncture of this, you know, regime, I think it's fair to expect that the Bears make the playoffs. If not, there could be some trouble. <laughs>
1: Thoughts there from Jeff Dickerson who covers the Bears for NFL Nation on uh, ESPN.com as we talk about the Bears with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. And so uh, Ryan Pace was asked during his conference call, what is his uh, approach to the first round?
4: We're always mindful of how many players are going off at certain positions to predict who could be there. You know, when we get there to our picks, you know, we have you know, averages over the last 10 years. Typically, these this, this many people go before, you know, pick 43, before pick 50 at each position. So we have some of those analytics in place to kind of predict things. Um, so that, I think that's one thing you're watching is, okay, this, this position's going off the board a little more heavily than, than maybe we expected or whatnot. So I think that's all part of it. Um, and just what trends are taking place in the draft. That, that'd probably be the main thing. <laughs> Thoughts there from
1: uh, Ryan Pace, the general manager for the Bears. So let's talk about something that J.D. and I have disagreed about for um, for over a decade. And that is the difference between need um, and best available in the draft. He and I have disagreed on this for a long time. And I've always felt that it was important. I look at, I break it down like this. I don't think I've used this analogy before, but I'll try. So if you're going to the store and you know, you need milk, you need milk for cooking. You need it for cereal, et cetera, et cetera. You know that you need milk. If you need milk, but yet you do see a great deal on Gatorade. Like, oh, man, I man, I like, I don't even have coupons, but I didn't know that Gatorade came so cheap and it's available, you know, and I only have enough to get either one or the other milk or Gatorade. Well, the <laughs> well you need milk, but what's best available is the Gatorade. And it's kind of like for me, since I need milk and I don't have milk, I got to get that. But JD's always thought, well, you can't pass up on a great deal if I mean if Gatorade available, you got to take it. And so I I've, we've always disagreed on this. I believe that if you're Ryan Pace, and, and this is something that just continues to be a talking point in the city. And it's it's something that I think that was a good idea at one point, but I don't think that it's the case right now unless you are just bereft of talent at the position. It always comes up about the Bears needing to draft a quarterback every year until you get it right. And you and I both know the issues the Bears have had at quarterback for a long time. They've, they've stuck with a veteran like Jay Cutler for a long time. Uh, they've gone through the issues at the quarterback position for a long time. But here's the thing. When it comes to the quarterback position, if you need a wide receiver and that wide receiver is there first, I take the wide receiver because he's right there. I need a wide receiver. If a quarterback is there, well, just because he's best available doesn't necessarily mean I got to take him. I need a wide receiver. But some would say, oh, don't worry about that. That quarterback is the best available talent. You take him. It's the equivalent of saying, well, the best available in a certain part of the draft is the defensive line. I got to take a defensive lineman. Well, that's the strength of your team. But yet you know you need someone in the secondary. You need a safety. You know you need a corner. So why don't you go for what you need to be able to um, to better yourself at that position versus something that you're already strong at. And so let's go and hear from Ryan Pace on a number of these things. So the the quarterback thing. So this came up again in his uh, press conference, you know, about whether or not the Bears are going to look at a quarterback. And there's a number of quarterbacks the Bears could take a look at, but the question was posed to him about uh, the best
4: available quarterback. Yeah, I think you know it's, we're going to, you know, you know, we're always going to take Pat the best player available. So if, if a quarterback was there and and he was the highest guy on our board and and it, it, you know in, in a strong in a strong way, we, we would consider that. I think we'd consider every position. You know these. The, let's face it. The draft is, is risky enough. When you deviate from taking best player, I think you just increase your risk.
1: So you're just going to piss off a lot of these reporters when the Bears don't get a, a quarterback in this draft. <laughs> See, that's what's going to happen because of the Ron Wolf way, right? Ron Wolf, the longtime general manager of the Green Bay Packers back in the day, always drafted the quarterback until they find the right find the right one. Well, they have Foles and they have Trubisky, and just because it's something that. Uh, I guess at some point it was said that, yeah, yeah, I'll take a look at a quarterback. I probably will try to uh, draft one every year and he hasn't done so. Well, maybe there's a reason. It's because he's looked at all the positions that he's need to be able to fill the bill with. And so my, my milk and and Gatorade analogy is if there is a need at the spots that we talked about, that the bears really need to address the spots at tight end and at wide receiver and at corner and an offensive line, if if you're getting someone on the defensive line when you're already strong on that, or a linebacker where you're always strong on that, then what's the point? Now you're you're wasting capital, draft capital, and so I I don't necessarily agree with that. You get the you get for the need that you have to have on this football team. You have a need, address it, because you've thrown money at some of these other holes on this football team. So I believe that you always address for, for the need versus best available. You can get the Gatorade at a different time. But the milk, that's a must for the family. All right, coming up, we'll hear from uh, Howard Griffith from the Big Ten Network getting his thoughts on the Bears, the NFL draft. We will continue on with our NFL draft preview. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000.
0: This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Hi, everybody. On ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. It's Under the Hood. Follow us on the gram at IGJHood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000.
1: So our NFL draft preview, Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. And the ESPN Chicago app cannot wait for the draft to start tomorrow. I'll be on with Freddie Coleman after round one of the draft on ESPN radio. I'm going to turn to Howard Griffith from the Big Ten Network. I got a chance to talk to him uh, we talked about a number of things, including the Bears' quarterback competition. I asked him, "You know, what are your thoughts on the Bears adding Nick Foles to the quarterback room?"
2: You know, not really excited about it, but at the end of the day, they're creating competition amongst the, at the quarterback position, and I think that's what they have to be able to do. Now, is it going to be a legitimate competition? Is the next question, and we don't know that. And, We just have to speak. But I think it needs to be a wide-open competition. And what I mean by that is that Mitch is going to be able to take reps with the ones. Uh, Foles is going to be able to take reps with the ones and twos and threes to be able to mix things up so that at the end of the day, they can go back and be able to look at a tape and have seen both of these quarterbacks in certain situations and to be able to compete in what they've been able to do in those situations.
1: What do you remember about competition? Because this is something I've been pushing for for a while, Howard. Like, either Trubisky is going to fold or he's going to flourish in that, okay, Chase Daniels is never going to take my job, but Nick Foles could. What, what does competition do in that spot in training camp?
2: It, it, it raises the level. One of the best competitions I ever had playing was with someone you, you will probably remember, but Bob Christian went to yeah. Northwestern, We were both fullbacks in the Carolina Panthers, and we competed, and and it brought the best out of both of us. And and I think that's what you need to be able to do, have a legitimate competition where you're going to be able to go in. And, And that's why I said both quarterbacks have to be able to work with ones, twos, and threes legitimately. So when the reps at the end of training camp, if we have a training camp, when you get to the end of that, you're able to go back and look at the reps. And it's never going to be equal, but you can say this is how each player moved the team in certain situations. So now that becomes the onus becomes on the coaching staff to make sure that they put them in those situations, as opposed to just saying, Hey, who's going to be the winner and you got to take the job? Because that's that's not a true competition. If you've already decided who's going to be the starting quarterback the Chicago Bears, you've already lost uh, that quarterback competition.
1: So the Foles is an interesting choice. But then when you put Jimmy Graham in place at tight end, listen, I understand the resume of Jimmy Graham, but the bottom of the resume is the thing that's not impressive. He's 32, 33 years of age. What did you think of that? Yes, they need a, the Bears need a tight end. I don't know if they need a tight end that badly.
2: One of the things that always happens in free agency, and this is this is, you're normally going to pay or overpay at a position of need because you've not drafted well. That's That hoodie, that's not going to change. So when you, you have your tight ends and they're not competing at the, the highest level that you believe that they should be, and then you see a name out there like Jimmy Graham, and I'm not saying that he doesn't have anything left in the tank. But when you draft properly, you don't have to try to fit people in in free agency because free agency is ultimately an admission that you weren't able to draft properly when you had an opportunity to. That's what it really is. And and, and it's not really necessarily looked at that way because people say, oh, we can get better. We can just go out and sign this guy. Well, yeah, but why do you have to go out and sign a tight end? Because you either have not developed that person or he didn't fit your scheme, which means he was not properly evaluated. So there are a lot of reasons why you end up getting a guy that that has had a lot of talent and a lot of success in the National Football League like Graham. But ultimately, when you dig into it, it's because you've got drafted well as an
1: organization and then historically the bears do what they do right they they always they seemingly always get it right on defense (laughs) i mean uh, who's gonna say that robert quinn's not a good player five years 70 million and replaces leonard floyd i mean i mean that that's solid. along with you already have mac you already have akeem hicks you trevathan is re-signed you gotta work on that back end. but once again the bears will have another strong defense they just don't have an offense to match
2: but, Hoodie, the, the question should be, why why did they have to sign a guy like that? It goes back to what I just said. Mm-hmm. You haven't figured out how to utilize the talent and put them in the best situation that they could be in to go out and have success. There's no guarantee that Quinn's going to come in here and be dominant. Everyone's getting excited. Oh, you got Mac on this side, Quinn on that side. You're going to be able to terrorize offenses. There's no guarantee to that. None. Every year, there is a new team that's walk that walks out on the football field every year, and what happens is fans are guilty of this, the media is guilty of this, but because you bring in a name, it's all of us. It's assumed that that person is going to come in and just pick up exactly where he left off when he was great. And, and think about this: We talked about Quinn. We talked about Graham. Mm-hmm. We talk about both of those guys in two different scenarios, right? Both have been great players in the National Football League. Both of them, but one we're like, hey, I don't know if Graham can get it done. He's not exciting, but because he's on the defensive side of the ball, when you talk about Quinn, everyone gets excited. It's very, it's, it's interesting mind games that 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 fans play with themselves as far as trying to find that right piece and ultimately what's going to get them to the Super Bowl because that's where everybody's trying to go.
1: Howard, who was the best football player you saw last year in college?
2: You, you're putting me in a box here um, because the, the, the conference that I watch, obviously watch the most is the Big Ten. Sure. But Chase Young was unbelievable. Um, Simmons from Clemson, the hybrid, linebacker, safety. I really didn't get a chance to study him as much as I wish I had last year. But when I watched him play against Ohio State, I just knew Ohio State would be able to put him in some compromising positions, and they weren't able to, which forced me to go back and look at the rest of the film from the season and see that his versatility of what you were able to do with him, move him, you can have him in the box. He can, he's strong enough, and big enough, physical enough to play at the line of scrimmage. He can drop back in coverage. He can cover tight ends. He can cover underneath routes. I won't say deep routes, but underneath routes from slot receivers when he's reading zone, man zone read. He's really talented as well. I mean, there are some very interesting players that are that are out there, but I would go with Simmons and, and Chase Young, to me, are really two of the best college football players that I watched all of last year.
1: Yeah, I, I can ride with you and say that Chase Young will could be the best player out of this draft. Joe Burrow was just the best story, and, uh, and the LSU story was the best story. Was it not?
2: No, no question about it. What, yeah. what, what Burrow was able to do, and I mean, to, to understand... You know, the situation he was in at Ohio State, you know, he thought he was going to be competing for a starting job that the, the spring before he transferred. That really wasn't the case. Then you have, you know, Haskins come out and have the unbelievable year. Burroughs was in a learning situation down at LSU, been the offense coordinator. They brought Brady in down at, at um at LSU, and then his senior year, he had an unbelievable year. I mean, you're talking about great stories. You're 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 talking about in the top five picks, top five picks of the this year's NFL draft. You could be looking at Burrow, Young, and Jeff Okuda, the the corner from Ohio State, and these guys were all teammates, and, and it's it really kind of speaks to you know, just how much talent and what great programs can do to bring in those talented guys into their program and uh, have them come in and really be able to to flourish. Because you go back a year ago, Jeff, Jeff Akuda, who I always believe was, uh, you know, top 15 type talent coming out of high school, but he he didn't play as well as he needed to. But a lot had to do with the scheme that he was in. And then he has an unbelievable year. Chase plays unbelievably. I mean, it's it's really a, a great story of what's going on at Ohio State. But you look at a guy like Tua at, at Alabama and what the coronavirus has kind of done because of that injury and him not being able to take the physicals and have those on-field workouts that he needs to have. But he's still probably going to be a top five, top six pick.
0: He's, he's under the hood. With Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. This is Under the Hood on ESPN 1000. Follow at TweetJHood on Twitter.
2: Under the
3: Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000.
2: Chicago's home for
1: sports. I'll get a chance to talk to my partners from Chicago's College Tailgate. We have a college football show here on ESPN 1000 every fall. Chris Bleck and Adam Abdallah will be with me coming up at 8 o'clock as all three of us will go through some of the players that we saw on a regular basis in college football, now moving on to the draft. So Chris and Adam will be with me coming up as we bring Chicago's College Tailgate together, 8 o'clock right here on ESPN 1000. As we continue with our NFL draft preview, I got a chance to talk to Trevor Maddich, part of uh a college Game Day on ESPN Radio, also a college football analyst. I talked to him about a number of things. Talk about old-line prospects and tight end prospects and uh, his thoughts about Trubisky and his v- evaluation. But I want to ask Trevor, like, who was the best player that he saw in college football last year? The best player
5: individually, it's a tough call between Chase Young of Ohio State and Isaiah Simmons of Clemson. And if I were to pick one as the best player and the most impactful Uh, I would have to tip to Isaiah Simmons. Now, he's a linebacker, a tall guy, fast, wide receiver speed in the 4-4 range. He can play linebacker. He can play safety. uh, He can play even slot corner for a short period of time. And there's all kinds of things he can do. He can come from any angle and be disruptive. And you don't know what he's going to do or where he's going to do it or where he's going to come from. And I really kind of... I'm reminded of former Pittsburgh Steelers safety Troy Palomalu. Mm-hmm. Now, Simmons, athletically, is taller. He's faster. He can do a lot more things than Palomalu. But the way the Steelers used Palomalu is the way I think Simmons will be used in the NFL, where he'll, again, come from everywhere. He'll blitz, he'll cover, he'll do all kinds of things and do it in a way that's very disruptive. And so, if I were to pick one guy that stood out more than any other, it's Isaiah Simmons for that reason.
1: You know, uh, take a look at the the quarterbacks that are available here in this upcoming draft. And, of course, we see the story of Joe Burrow and how LSU had such a terrific year. What uh, are what some of the traits that Joe Burrow brings uh, to an NFL team based on what you saw from him in his career? Joe Burrow, the first thing you have to have as a quarterback in the NFL is
5: accuracy. And Burrow is very accurate. Next thing you have to have is accuracy under pressure. And Burrow is uncanny when it comes to throwing the ball under pressure and dropping the dime, not just uh, on a rope or not just putting it high in the air and dropping it into a bucket at a high trajectory, but whatever style of trajectory and throw the coverage requires. He is amazing that way. I mean, I it's one of the reasons I'm not really impressed with any quarterback throwing in shorts at a pro day because everybody and everybody can throw when you're in shorts at a pro day. The question is, what do you do when there's a guy in your face about to knock a few teeth out and Burrow has shown that he can have the same accuracy under those circumstances he's also got the ability to read defenses and all the mental stuff but when it comes down to it his his uncanny knack
1: to put the ball where it needs to be regardless of pressure is what sets him apart Trevor, when you look at the, the offensive linemen, is there someone in particular that we should keep our eyes on because the Bears are going to be in need of uh, offensive tackle uh, and be able to look at maybe a guard? What stands out about the amount of offensive linemen that are available?
5: You know what? There are, uh, there are guys at the top that are fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jedrick Willis of Alabama tackle, Andrew Thomas of Georgia, Tristan Wirfs of Iowa. I'm sure you guys have talked about those guys. But once you get below that, then you've got to pick what you're willing to compromise on. For example, Josh Jones out of Houston is a tackle who really made a big name for himself at the Senior Bowl, did really well against the elite competition in Mobile, Alabama during that week of practice and during the game. The problem is when you watch him on tape, you see that he doesn't really have tremendous functional strength right now. And even though he did well at the Senior Bowl, his overall body of work tells me that he needs at least a year in the NFL weight room before we'll really know if he can play tackle in the NFL. You look at Isaiah Wilson out of Georgia. He's a, a mauler, man. He is no question about his strength. The question is, if you put him out at right tackle, does he have the footwork to be able to stay in front of those elite pass rushers that NFL defenses are now putting over the right tackle and be able to block in space to protect the quarterback. And he didn't show in college that he's incredibly nimble afoot. So you might have to move him inside the guard. You know, Then you take a look at a guy like Ezra Cleveland out of Boise State. He's a guy that is moving up a lot of people's draft boards, and he is extremely athletic, very effective as a Mountain West tackle. But when I watch him on tape, I don't see a lot of dog in him. In other words, I don't see him finishing guys. When he's got the opportunity to... Bury a guy, pancake him, and dominate him physically and morally. A lot of times, they'll just sort of pull off and go back and huddle up. You know, you need a guy like a Jack Conklin who just loves the concept of physically dominating another human being in order to play offensive line in this league if you want to be able to really establish a dominant running game. And I just don't see that dog in Ezra Cleveland. I may have it, but I didn't see it when I watched him on tape. So, so after you get away from the top guys, Jonathan, you got to pick what you want to compromise on and what you think you can develop.
1: Trevor, the uh, Bears picked up Jimmy Graham, and uh, Jimmy Graham's got a lot of mileage on him. I understand that Ryan Pace, the general manager, knows uh, Graham from his time in New Orleans, so there's um, a connection there, but you know, For Nick Foles or for Mitch Trubisky, there's got to be a, an, another tight end, if not now, then for the future. I, I'm looking at this list. and I saw Komet play, obviously being close to Notre Dame, saw him play, saw Pickney from Vanderbilt. I don't see a bad tight end out of the first three or four that could be projected to go. Anything stand out about the tight ends to you? Yeah, you know, I, there's a
5: disappointment that stands out, and that is uh, Jared Pickney out of Vanderbilt. I mean, I was very disappointed at his combine numbers. He, uh, I thought, would be faster than he ran. I hope that he ran as slow as he did at the combine because he had an injury and that he can fix that or that he has fixed that in a pro day. I haven't seen that happen. But here's a tight end that ran 4.96. Tight end ran 4.96 at the combine. There were a whole bunch of 300-plus-pound defensive tackles that ran a lot faster than that at the combine. And so even though Pickney was productive, you know, if you want to take a chance on him, you've got to do it on day three or even lower in the draft in order to be able to, uh, to justify that. But there is a guy besides commit that you may want to look at. And that's Adam Trotman out of Dayton. He's a guy that has really kind of risen up a lot of people's boards. He's a hybrid tight end. He's got good size. He can, he can block plenty enough, but he's shown the ability to be very productive as a receiver
1: as well. He's faster than Pinckney, and he's a guy that should be available in the mid to late rounds. I'm curious on what your thoughts are on what the Bears did by acquiring Nick Foles. And we've seen Foles on a number of teams. We know that he has the pension to be able to step in as a backup and be a starter and flourish. But what do you think of, of the, your evaluation of Trubisky and the move to bring Foles in? It says a lot about Trubisky, does it not? Mm-hmm. You know what? It it does. And I think
5: it may be, and I think the best thing you can think um, of Trubisky relative to this and what you can kind of extrapolate from it is that they're trying to uh, light a fire under him. You know, we talk about the dog in you, right? One thing about Trubisky at North Carolina that I was concerned about when the Bears drafted him to begin with was that he seemed to disappear in big games. In other words, there'd be huge moments in huge games where North Carolina had the ability to take over and they had the, the skilled people on offense to be able to distribute to. And Trubisky would disappear a lot. I mean just disappear. It's not that he played poorly. It's that you didn't even know he was on the field almost. And when he got to the NFL, I was hoping that that he would show some anger. He would show some of that refuse to lose that guys like Kyler Murray show i mean guys that you know the junkyard dog and the last bone in the yard you go after with a vicious vengeance and that's what i wanted to see out of mitchell trubisky well and watching him play for the bears he's shown a lot of flashes but once again i'm just not seeing that maybe he has it and he expresses it in a way that wasn't apparent to me and so i want to be i want to be fair to him at the same time bringing in a guy like poles I don't think we'll make Trubisky a better mechanical quarterback. He's already good as a mechanical quarterback. He's got the tools. What I think it may do and what they may want from that is to make him an angry quarterback. And I think that'll make him a more effective quarterback. This is
0: Under the Hood
5: with
2: Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports.